Very good. Turn, if you would, this morning, please, to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. As you're finding your place there, I wanted to also uh, bring to your attention, not everyone will know Miss Jane, because some of you are new since uh, she had to leave a couple of years ago due to health reasons. But it is good to have Miss Jane Lowe here with us. And for those of you who know her, you know that the blessing that she has been to the church for many years, and it's good to have her today. And it's good to see Tammy, who brought her up. And uh, so if you've not yet had a chance to say hello to Miss Jane, be sure and get around and do so uh, before they leave this afternoon. All right? Psalm 119 is where we're going to be this morning. I'll give you the exact location in just a moment, but let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we will get started. Father, it is good to be in your house today, and Lord, again, we are thankful for the freedom that we have to assemble. God, I am thankful for the men and women of the past who have stood on our behalf and fought for our freedoms. I am thankful for those who today stand in that position, and they are willing to fight for our freedoms, and I say thank you for that. But, Lord, at the end of the day, we do or we should recognize that all of our freedom comes from you. And so we thank you, Lord, for what you have made available to us. God, thank you that we're able to look into your word today and uh, draw from it what we need to. I pray that you'd help us today uh, to take serious the word that you've given us. I pray that you'd help me to communicate it in a way that would be easy to be understood and uh, something that we would apply to our lives. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Wednesday night, if you were here, you know that we sang a song, and as a result of singing the song, I mentioned uh, that that song now has new meaning to me as a result of attending a funeral a few weeks ago, and the testimony of the one who had passed, I said that I can't help but think of that song differently. And I think all of us know, and I'm sure I've touched on this in times past, but I think all of us know this, that throughout our lives, certain things are going to stand out in our mind, and certain things will forever carry with it a certain set of thoughts, ideas, and possibly even stir up emotions uh, dependent upon what that thing or item may be. To illustrate this for just a moment, I know, again, you're aware of what I'm talking about. I'm sure many of you, but uh, maybe not all. To illustrate, just imagine for a moment if someone were to mention the beach. Now, I know for some of you, you might hear the, the beach being mentioned or referenced, and you may say something like this, I don't care about that at all. If I never go to another beach in my life, I'll be perfectly fine. I've never seen the beach. I don't have to see the beach to be happy. That may be your attitude. That may be your feelings about going to such a location. But there may be someone like this who would say something of this nature. Based upon certain experiences, based upon certain memories, they just love going to the beach. Some of you have heard me talk before about how I like to go to the beach, not because I care about the water or getting in and swimming or anything of that nature. I like to just sit there and listen to the waves roll in. I find it relaxing. I find it pleasurable. It's just something that I enjoy doing. And so I hear the word beach, and and again, it's just something that conjures up in my mind something that is pleasant or something that is delightful. But a few years ago, some people that Susie knows and uh, has had some long-time association with, several years ago, their family was at the beach in Florida, and a storm rose up rather quickly. And before they could get off the beach, before they could get everything gathered together and up to the car and get away, lightning struck, 
and killed the man who was the, the husband of the wife and the father to the kids that were on vacation that day. I can promise you that whenever they think of the beach, their thoughts are completely different than my thoughts and their thoughts would be completely different than your thoughts because certain moments define certain things in our lives and, and we forever associate this with that. I could walk into your house possibly today and I might see many things in your house that would mean nothing to me, but you may look at that and say, that has great sentimental value to me. That belonged to my mother or that belonged to my father. That belonged to one of my grandparents. That's been in the family for X number of years. So again, that would mean nothing to me, but because of your attachment to it, because of the association with that item, whatever it may be, you would say something like this, well, that is special to me, and that just seeing that reminds me of certain memories. It takes me back to my childhood, and it begins to stir up certain thoughts and certain emotions. You understand how this works, don't you? You and I find ourselves, whether we intended to be or not, we find ourselves attached to certain items in this world. We find ourselves attached to certain items in this life. And as a result of that, we are stirred, we are moved, certain thoughts come to mind, certain feelings come to our heart. That is the way we respond to certain things. Now this morning, with that in mind, I want us to think about the Word of God that we hold in our hands. Now think about this for just a moment. This is the Word of God. This is what we refer to it as, the Word of God. Now as we've gone through our study of Psalm 119, here's what we know if you've been a part of the study, that the Word of God is identified as many different things. It's been identified as the statutes of God, the ordinances of God, the judgments of God, His law, His testimonies, and the list goes on and on. But no matter how it's referred to, it is all going back to God's declared word for people. What God has given to people. What God has preserved for mankind. And so as we have gone through Psalm 119, as it has been referenced to, to many different things, it's, as it's been called many different things, we understand, at least we should by now, all of it is a reference to what God has wanted to communicate with man. God's desire to communicate with me and God's desire to communicate with you. Now think about this, please. You and I, we can, if we don't right now, we can hold a copy of the Word of God in our hand. That is a privilege afforded to you and I. It is a great privilege to hold in our hands a Word of God that has been preserved for thousands of years. Some of it multiplied thousands of years. That somehow God saw fit to make sure that one day in our year, in our era, we would be able to stand and say, I hold in my hand God's Word. Now, as you and I hold in our hands a copy of the Word of God, I want us to think about this truth. I want us to think about this thought. 
that should stir up within us certain thoughts, certain feelings, and certain emotions. Now I can tell already we're going to struggle with some of this. See, the Word of God is an amazing thing. It's far amazing, far more amazing than any location we could visit. It's far more significant than any song we could sing. The Word of God is far more precious than any family heirloom we could possess. The Word of God and the fact that we have a copy of it in our hands, it is an amazing thing. And because you and I hold a copy in our hands, it should stir within us certain thoughts, feelings, emotions. It should stir within us just, just this overwhelming desire to, to express a certain feeling toward the Word of God. And yet, you know what is true so many times in the lives of believers? The Word of God is mentioned, or the Word of God is referenced, or the Word of God is, is identified and talked about. And you know what so many so-called believers' response to the Word of God is? Huh. Huh. Well, yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't get it. What's the big deal? Whatever. See, it'd be kind of like me walking into your house, looking at that fairly family heirloom. It doesn't mean anything to me, but you're saying to yourself, uh, you don't understand. You don't understand. I want to share with you something this morning. We're going to see this in the next couple of moments. But there are so many people sitting in church who have a wrong attitude and a wrong outlook toward the Word of God. And it is revealed and made known and made obvious by their response to the Word of God. And this morning, I just want to say this as we get into the message, and please don't take offense to this, but if you feel convicted by it, that's fine. But if you do not have these feelings and these thoughts and these sentiments in your heart toward the Word of God, there's something wrong with you. It's your problem. It's not the Word of God's problem. It's, it's not the hypocrite's problem. It's not the preacher's problem. No, it, it's your problem. It's your problem. Because the Word of God should provoke this kind of an attitude or response in your life. What kind of a response or attitude should the Word of God provoke in us? Well, notice in verse 161. Verse 161, the writer makes this statement. Princes have persecuted me. Princes have persecuted me without a cause. But my heart standeth in awe of thy word. 
I want us to give attention to what the writer just said. He said, the princes have persecuted me in this season of life where those have persecuted me without cause, without reason. He says, my heart stands in awe of thy word. What does it mean whenever the writer says for him to stand in awe of the word? All right, we understand that that's a reference to the word of God, so it means this. To be overwhelmed with a sense of reverence, admiration, or fear. To be overwhelmed with a sense of reverence, admiration, or fear. We have in our hands the Word of God. What portion of the Scripture the writer was writing about, we don't know. We don't begin to know what he was writing about. But for you and I, here is what we read. He said of the portion that he had, that which he had in his possession, that which he was made aware of, he said that in his heart he was in awe of the Word of God. So he was overwhelmed with this sense of reverence and this sense of admiration and at the same time a sense of fear based upon what the Word of God contained in it. This morning I want to begin by asking a very simple question. I'm going to be doing this throughout the message. But I want to begin by asking this very simple question. Can you and I in our personal spiritual lives make this declaration? that we stand in awe of the Word of God. That we stand in awe of the Word of God. I'm going to say this again. This Word that we have preserved for us, it has been preserved for over 2,000 years. It has been preserved for over 3,000 years, 4,000 years, 5,000 years. Some of what we are reading today is a history that is inspired by God of events that show the greatness of God and the glory of God and the majesty of God and the power of God and the grace of God. It has been shown to us over 5,000 years ago because God chose to preserve that for us. I want to ask you this morning, does that ever overwhelm you what we hold in our hands? I want to ask you this morning, has there ever been and is there ever this sense of reverence for the Word of God because we recognize its significance to you and I as believers? Do we understand how sacred and how holy and how wonderful and how magnificent The Word of God is, it should be something that we stand in awe of by way of reverence. It should be something that we stand in awe of by way of admiration. Does the Word of God just amaze you sometimes? I don't know about you, but I mean, for myself this week, I I was visiting with Susie as I was doing my Bible reading one evening, and I was finishing up the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis. And I said to Susie, I said, every time I read this story, I am more and more amazed at the life Joseph lived. 
I find myself reading through the story of Joseph. I find myself last night beginning the story of, of Exodus and how Moses was going to be used to bring the children of Israel out of their bondage. And I don't know if this ever happens to you, but there are times I still find myself getting excited while I'm reading the Word of God as though all of this is happening right now. And I have to remind myself this happened thousands of years ago. It is amazing what the Word of God is capable of doing. But when was the last time in our hearts we stood in awe of the Word of God? I don't know how many times I've expressed this to Susie. I don't know how many times I've expressed this to preacher friends. But I, I find it amazing the number of times I have gone to the Word of God and you began to read and you would truly, if you had your thinking caps on, you would think that those words had just been penned for our circumstance, for our situation. I mean, it's almost as though Paul is right here. Listen, please. He is right here in the flesh talking to us, saying, this is what you need to do. And you say to yourself, this was penned 2,000 years ago. That is amazing. Can we declare today that we stand in awe of the Word of God? So many people, let's be honest, so many people are not overwhelmed with the Word of God. They really have no reverence for the Word of God. The Word of God is something they're fine with or without. I mean, it's no big deal. It is certainly not anything that they admire by way of its content, by way of its presentation, by way of its delivery. They have no real admiration for it. And let's just be honest, many people today, even those sitting in the church, they have no fear of what is contained in the Word of God. I mean, the Word of God is fairly clear, is it not? The Word of God is fairly obvious in so many different areas of our lives. We don't have to walk away from it and say, I wonder what it was trying to communicate. The Word of God says exactly what it means. It means exactly what it says. We're familiar with that old cliche, but it is a cliche that is absolutely true. The Word of God is clear. And many times the clarity of the Scripture should provoke within us some kind of fear, and yet so many times people have no fear of what is found in the Word of God. Friends, when we think about the Word of God, I'm not saying that we would express it in this manner, that I stand in awe of it, but I would say this, our actions ought to reveal of us that we are overwhelmed with the magnificence of the Scripture. And as a result, we have a reverence for it, and we have an admiration for it, and we have a fear of it. If you do not stand in awe of the Word of God, when I do not stand in awe of the Word of God, I just want to say this again, we're the one who has a problem. Because the Word of God has not changed. So the great, wonderful, inspired Word that we hold in our hands, if we are no longer standing in awe of it as we should, that is our problem, not the Word's problem. Notice what he said in verse 162. He said, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. What does it mean to rejoice? It means this, to make glad or to give delight. 
to make glad or to give delight. I want to ask you this morning, if on the way into church, you looked down at the ground and you beheld a wad of $100 bills, unmarked, unaccounted for, you know, I mean, it wasn't anything that someone said, oh yeah, I dropped that, I need that. No, 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 it was just out there and it was free for the taking. Do you think you would have picked up that roll of $100 bills, just stuck it in your pocket and walked inside and said nothing to anyone? You might have, thinking that would be the safest thing to do, but here is what most would do. Most would walk in with a big grin on their face and say something like this, Do you see what I just found? I just found this roll of $100 bills. I haven't even counted it yet, but would you look at how thick this is? Oh my goodness, this is going to change what we do this summer. This is going to change how we approach this. I mean, can you imagine how exciting it would be? Now, if, listen, if, if a roll of $100 bills do not excite you, give it to me, all right? Just, let's just get that out of the way right now. Okay, but can you imagine how excited we would be to find someone else's money? I'd be excited to find my own money, but I mean, to, to find someone else's money, that would be thrilling. Now listen, he's talking about great spoil, okay? He's talking about going into a battle. He's go talking about going into a fight. And as a result of defeating the enemy, you get to take all of their possessions. You get to take all of their wealth, all of their clothes, everything that would have been of value. He said, the kind of joy that I receive from your word is like the joy that a person would find in getting someone else's wealth as a result of a battle. Now listen, please. I want us to consider this question. Do we enjoy the word of God? Is it something that makes us glad and brings us delight? I'm just going to be honest with us this morning. There are so many times that in the midst of preaching, I have asked myself, are these people enjoying this at all? Not because of the delivery, not because of the content, but it just makes me wonder sometimes, do they even enjoy hearing the preaching of the Word of God? They sit here all swollen up. They sit here and they look like they're irritated. They look, sit here looking like they're watching the clock and when will we, when will we be done? I mean, there are times that I, I question, how much do we enjoy the Word of God? Over the years, I've said things like this. Hey, could we smile? And I think there are some people who are determined, no, we can't. And if I could, I will not because you just asked me to, and I don't want you to think I'm enjoying myself at church in the midst of the preaching of the Word of God. Do we rejoice in the Word? But let's take it away from the church house for just a little bit, and let me ask you this in your own personal life. Do you enjoy God's Word. Do you look forward to it? I've tried to be very honest and transparent over the years, and I'm going to do so again this morning and just be honest and tell you, I don't necessarily enjoy Ezekiel. I don't. 
I enjoy the first several chapters of Isaiah, and then by the time I get to the middle of it, I'm like, just whatever, Isaiah, I'm through with you, okay? I don't get much from Isaiah. I don't get a lot from Ezekiel sometimes. And, And there are many parts of the Scripture that I don't get. But I have to be honest and tell you, I still enjoy the privilege of getting to go to the Word of God and spend time with the Word. And there is something wrong with me, and there is something wrong with you if we do not enjoy the Word of God. Like great spoil. Like newfound riches. Man, that's great. It's wonderful. I I rejoice in that. It's fantastic. Notice what he said in verse 164. He said, seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Again, a reference to the word of God, but he said this, seven times a day do I praise thee. What does it mean to praise? It means this, to boast or to glory in something. He said, God, I want to praise you for your judgments that are right. For himself, he said, I do this seven times a day. Repeatedly, over and over and over again, here's what I want to do. I want to boast and I want to glory and I want to rejoice in your word. God, I just want to tell you how great your word is. God, I just want to tell you how thankful I am for your word. Here we go again, being asked a very simple question. When was the last time you said, God, I've just got to thank you for your word? God, you know how great it is, but I just want to tell you how great your word is. God, you know far better how amazing this entire process was. You understand it far better than I do, but I just want to boast and I just want to glory and I just want to celebrate the greatness of your word. God, thank you for the amazing word that you have given me. When was the last time we thanked God for his righteous judgments? When was the last time we boasted in this? When was the last time we gloried in this? When was the last time we said, God, I've just got to thank you for your word? I don't, I don't know if you would understand. I mean, I think you would. I, I trust that you would. But I, I think sometimes we fail to understand that there are so many people sitting in church and they don't have an awe for the word of God. Which means they're not really overwhelmed by it. They're, they're not admiring it. They're not, they're not fearing it. They're not one who is reverencing it the way that they should. They, they just have no awe of it. And as a result, they never rejoice in it. And as a result of not rejoicing in the Word of God, you know what they don't do? They don't boast of it. And they don't rejoice in it and glory in it to the one who gave it to them. I'm not saying that you and I have to do this seven times a day, but you know what should be somewhat consistent in our lives? It should be some kind of appreciation being expressed to God that we hold in our hands the Word of God. 
Uh, ask yourself. Ask yourself, when was the last time you said, unprovoked by anyone else, you just said to the Lord in the privacy of your own heart and your own mind as you reflected on the Word of God, you just said, God, thank you for your Word. It identifies with the problem I'm going through right now. It addresses the issue I'm facing right now. God, it encourages me from stories, though, thousands of years ago. God, I just have to thank you for your amazing word. When was the last time we thanked God for his word? That ought to be somewhat consistent in our attitude toward that which we pick up and read. It should be our attitude. But notice what he said in verse 167. He said, My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. If you go back to verse 163, he said this, I hate and abhor lying. But thy law do I love. Thy law do I love. Your word, God, I, I love it. He said it in 163 and in 167. In 167 of the testimonies, he said, I love them exceedingly. What does it mean to love something? Well, I think many of us, we immediately think of some kind of an affection or feeling that we have towards someone, and that would be good as it relates to the Word of God. Do we have an affection for the Word of God? But you know what it also means in this context to love something? It means this, to have an appetite for something. He said, Lord, I've kept your testimonies. I have an appetite for your word. Lord, I hate lying. I abhor it. But God, I love your word. I have an appetite for your word. You see where this is headed. I'm going to ask us another question, and the question would be this. What kind of appetite do you have for the word of God? What kind of an appetite do you have for the Word of God? So I don't know exactly what you mean by appetite. Okay, think about your physical appetite. Do you have a hunger? Of course you do. You know what it means to crave something. You know what it means to long for something. You know what it means to desire something. You understand what an appetite is. When you're not getting a, a, a portion fulfilled, you, you begin to have a hunger, you begin to have a desire, you begin to have a longing for something. That's an appetite. He said, God, I love your testimonies exceedingly. God, I have an appetite for your word. I want to ask you again, what kind of an appetite do you have for the word of God? What kind of a hunger have you had for the Word of God? Answer the question that only you can honestly answer this morning. I want to ask you, how much time did you spend in the Word this week?
You know, today is Sunday, so, so from Monday through last night, it's a very simple question. How much time did you spend in the Word of God? See, that reveals our appetite. It reveals what kind of a hunger we have for the Word of God. Someone says, oh, Brother Kyle, you don't understand. I was just so busy this week. I promise you, every one of us found time to do exactly what we wanted to do in the last seven days. If you were tired, you took time to sleep. If you were hungry, you took time to eat. If you were thirsty, you took time to drink. If you wanted to have conversation with someone, you went out of your way to make sure you had the conversation with someone. I'm just here to remind you this morning that if you wanted to be in the Word this week, you were. And if you were not in the Word this week, it was because you didn't want to be in the Word. And if you didn't really care about being in the Word this week, it just reveals that you didn't have an appetite for the Word this week, which means this, you don't really love the Word of God. Oh, Brother Kyle, don't say that. No, 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 I'm not the one saying it. The Word of God is the one saying it, that if we love the Word of God, we'll have an appetite for it. And I'm telling you, I know this as a fact, There are people who sit in church who can go days and weeks and months and years without ever picking up the Word of God, and yet they would claim to love it. That's a lie. It is an outright lie to never spend time with the Word of God and then with those same lips profess to love it. See, if we love the Word of God, we'll have an appetite for it. It'll be something like this. You know, uh, yesterday I slacked off and I didn't read, and, and I'm not proud of it. I, I, man, I, I'm not proud of that at all. But I'm, I'm telling you right now, I can't afford to go two days without it, and I'm getting in the Word today. See, if I'm honest, I'd have to stand before you this morning and tell you, you know, there have been days that, that I have gotten slack in my personal discipline and there have been days where I've been tired and it's been a full day and so I've gone ahead and, and I've gone through my day without reading the Word of God and, and I justified it in one manner or another and, and maybe some of you can identify with that. Maybe you can't. But, uh, you know, I, I went a day without reading the Word of God and I promise you by the end of the next day there was something within me that said, i got to get in the Word. I'm too hungry to not be in the Word. There is something wrong with the child of God who does not hunger for the Word of God. I want to ask you this morning, when you think of the Word of God, when you think of what you and I hold in our hands, can you truly say this? I stand in awe of the Word of God. I am overwhelmed by the Word of God. I have a reverence and an admiration and a healthy fear of the Word of God. Can you say that you stand in awe of the Word? Can you say this, that you rejoice at thy Word, that it gives you gladness and it gives you delight? I mean, does the Word of God bring you joy? Oh, sure it does. Now, hold on, hold on. When was the last time you thanked God for it? 
Because see, if something brings me joy, I'm quick to express appreciation to the one who gave me that source of joy. Do we stand in awe of it? Does it bring us great joy? Do we rejoice in it? Do we glory in it? Do we praise? Do we boast of it to the one who gave it to us? And do we have an appetite for it because we love it? Only you can answer the questions honestly. But you know what the answers to the questions are. I want to ask you in the last week, what's been your attitude toward the Word of God? Could we have removed the Word of God from your home this week and you wouldn't have even noticed it? Because you didn't even think to spend time in the Word this week? Could we have monitored your prayer life this week and your conversation with others this week and found a time at all this week in which you said, Lord, thank you for your word. If we could go back even in just the last week, could we say something like this? Man, I enjoyed his word this week. It fed me. It challenged me. It encouraged me. I just enjoyed spending some time in the word of God. Can, can we say that? Can we say this, that in the last week, man, I stood in awe of the Word of God. See, if we can't, it's not the Word's fault. It's ours. The Word has never been and will never be the problem. The problem when our attitude is not right toward the Word of God, when our response is not right, when our feelings and our emotions and, and our overall outlook on the Word of God, when it's not right, it's never the Word's fault. It is always our fault. I just want to ask you this morning, when you think of the Word of God, when you hear the Word of God, when the Word of God is dealt with, when the Word of God is referenced, what kind of response do you have? There's a right kind of response and there is a wrong kind of response. And we need to make sure that our response is right. What it should be. What is our response? Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, I come to you this morning. God, I pray that you'd help every one of us to just be honest about our attitude, our response, our outlook on the Word of God. God, for us to sit here or to stand here this morning and to think that everyone in this church has a right outlook on the Word of God, that the Word of God provokes in every one of us what it's supposed to, Lord, we're just not being honest if we think that's the case. There would be some in this room this morning that if they would just be honest, they'd have to admit they don't remember the last time they opened up the Word of God. If they did it, they did it just out of obligation and just a duty, but not because it brought them any joy. They don't really stand in awe of it. They don't appreciate it. They don't say anything to you about it. God, would you help us to know just how wrong that attitude is? And would you help us to know that it's our fault and no one else's? I pray that you'd bless the invitation this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.